Chapter Seventeen of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Chapter Seventeen. Before writing the promise which Evidin required, Major Cochrane begged to be allowed to have an interview with her, and to this also she consented at her mother's earnest solicitation although the idea of it went very much against the grain she perceived however that the first meeting must be awkward in any case and she was one of those energetic people who when there is a disagreeable thing to be done do it and get it over with at once so she strengthened her mind by adding a touch of severity to her costume and sat herself down in the drawing-room with a book on her lap when the morning came well nerved for the interview her heart began to beat unpleasantly when he rang and she heard him in the hall doubtless inquiring for her at the sound of his voice she arose from her seat involuntarily and stood literally awaiting in fear and trembling the dreadful moment of meeting what a horrible sensation she ejaculated mentally colonel cochrane the servant announced he entered with an air of displeasure he could not conceal and bowed to her from a distance stiffly but although she looked hard at him she could not see him so great was her trepidation it was she however who was the first to speak i-i'm nervous she gasped clasping her hands and holding them out to him piteously colonel cochrane relaxed it flattered his vanity to perceive that this curiously well-informed and exceedingly strong-minded young lady became as weakly emotional as any ordinary schoolgirl the moment she found herself face to face with him there is nothing to be afraid of he blandly assured her will you sit down evident managed to mumble dropping into her own chair again from sheer inability to stand any longer colonel cochrane took a seat at an exaggerated distance from her his idea was to impress her with a sense of his extreme delicacy but the act had a contrary effect upon her his manners had been perfect so far as she had hitherto seen them but thus to emphasize an already sufficiently awkward position was not good taste and she registered the fact against him after they were seated there was a painful pause evidin knit her brows and cast about in her mind for something to say suddenly the fact that the maid had announced him as colonel cochrane recurred to her have you been promoted she asked very naturally yes he answered i congratulate you she faltered again he bowed stiffly but evidin was recovering herself she could look at him now and it surprised her to find that he was not in appearance the monster she had been picturing him no more a monster indeed than he had seemed before she knew of his past until now however except for that one glimpse in the carriage she had always seen him through such a haze of feeling as to make the seeing practically null and void so far as any perception of his true character might be gathered from his appearance and useless for anything really but ordinary purposes of identification now however that the misty veil of passion was withdrawn from her eyes the man whom she had thought noble she saw to be merely big the face which had seemed to beam with intellect certainly remained fine-featured still but it was like the work of a talented artist when it lacks the perfectly perceptible indefinable finishing touch of genius that would have raised it above criticism and drawn you back to it again but wanting which after the first glance of admiration interest fails and you pass on only convinced of a certain cleverness 
a thing that soon satiates without satisfying evident had seen soul in her lover's eyes but now they struck her as hard shallow glittering and obtrusively blue and she noticed that his forehead although high shelved back abruptly to the crown of his head which dipped down again sheer to the back of his neck a very precipice without a single boss upon which to rest a hope of some saving grace in the way of eminent social qualities thank heaven i see you as you are in time thought evadin colonel cochrane was the next to speak i shall be able to give you rather a better position now he said yes she replied but she did not at all appreciate the advantage because she had never known what it was to be in an inferior position may i speak to you with reference to our future relations he continued she bowed a kind of cold assent then looked at him expectantly her eyes opening wide and her heart thumping horribly in the very natural perturbation which again seized upon her as they approached the subject yet in spite of her quite perceptible agitation there was both dignity and determination in her attitude and colonel cochrane meeting the unflinching glance direct became suddenly aware of the fact that the timid little lovesick girl with half-shut sleepy eyes he had had such a fancy for and this young lady modestly shrinking in every inch in her sensitive frame but undaunted in spirit nevertheless were two very different people there had been misapprehension of character on both sides it seemed but he liked pluck and by jove the girl was handsomer than he had imagined views or no views he would lay siege to her senses in earnest there would be some satisfaction in such a conquest is there no hope for me evident he pleaded none none she burst out impetuously becoming desperate in her embarrassment but i cannot discuss the subject i beg you will let it drop her one idea was to get rid of this big blond man who gazed at her with an expression in his eyes from which now that her own passion was dead she shrunk in revolt again colonel cochrane bowed stiffly as you please he said my only wish is to please you he paused for a reply but as evident had nothing more to say he was obliged to recommence the regiment he said is going to malta at once and i must go with it and what i would venture to suggest is that you should follow when you feel inclined by p and o fellows will understand that i don't care to have you come out on a troop ship and i should like to get your rooms fitted up for you too before you arrive i am anxious to do all in my power to meet your wishes i will make every arrangement with that end in view and if you can suggest anything yourself that does not occur to me i shall be glad you had better bring an english maid out with you or a german french women are flighty he got up as he said this and added you'll like malta i think it is a bright little place and very jolly in the season evident rose too thank you she said you are showing me more consideration than i have a right to expect and i am sure to be satisfied with any arrangement you may think it right to make i will telegraph to you when my arrangements for your reception are complete he concluded and i think that is all i can think of nothing else she answered good-bye then he said good-bye she rejoined and i wish you a pleasant voyage and all possible success with your regiment thank you he answered putting his heels together and making her a profound bow as he spoke so they parted and he went his way through the old cathedral close with that set expression of countenance which he had worn when he first became aware of her flight but curiously enough although he had no atom of lover-like feeling left for her and the amount of thought she had displayed in her letters had shocked his most cherished prejudices 
on the subject of her sex she had gained in his estimation he liked her pluck he felt she could be nothing but a credit to him she remained for a few seconds as he had left her listening to his footsteps in the hall and shutting of the door and then from where she stood she saw him pass and watched him out of sight a fine figure of a man certainly and she sighed she had been touched by his consideration and thought it a pity that such a kindly disposition should be unsupported by the solid qualities which alone could command her lasting respect and affection she walked to the window and stood there drumming idly on the glass thinking over the conclusion they had come to for some time after colonel cochrane had disappeared she felt it to be a lame one and she was far from satisfied but what under the circumstances would have been a better arrangement the persistent question contained in itself its own answer only the prospect was blank blank the excitement of the contest was over now the reaction had set in she ventured to look forward and seeing for the first time what was before her the long dark dreary level of a hopelessly uncongenial existence reaching from here to eternity as it seemed from her present point of view her overwrought nerves gave way and when mrs orton begg came to her a moment later she threw herself into her arms and sobbed hysterically oh auntie i have suffered horribly i wish i were dead end of chapter seventeen recording by judy guinan